Welcome to Changing the Sales Game podcast on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. Thanks for tuning in today. As you listen to the show, I really do hope that you find value between my guests and I and the tips and strategies, stories, perhaps that we share, that you could take those ideas and actually implement them into your life. So if I have a free gift for you to help you on this journey of changing your sales game, changing your career, right? Because this really is a business podcast, um, which sales is a piece, I think, of, of every one of our, our lives. So go in the, in the show notes, you'll see my free communication style assessment. That is my gift to you. You'll get two reports. One will spotlight your kind of your natural uh, superpowers of how people perceive you when you communicate. And the flip side, you'll get a second report, which is your lowest style. For me, I think that's almost more important because it shines a light on those blind spots that we don't even know are there. And that will help you communicate with the people that are unlike you or communicate from 180 degree different perspective. So again, that that link is in the show notes, my gift to you, please use it. Um, and hopefully it just helps you communicate more effectively with your clients, with your family, as well as with your peeps at work. Now, my motivational quote today, again, to set the tone for the show is by Jim Cathcart. And he says, become the person who would attract the results you seek. Now, through most of my sales career, my managers seem just to use numbers as the sole measurement to identify if I was being successful in sales or not, right? And the funny thing is, it really does take time to generate real consistent results. And there must be an element of change in behaviors to generate the results for the week or, or the month or whatever it is, however you're being measured. Now, I've learned during my four decades in sales that by looking solely at numbers, it really becomes a slippery slope and it's dangerous. So managers need to coach their team's performance by using real and I have that in capitalized in my notes, real life observation as the foundation to understand where the sales rep may actually need some new skill development to generate, of course, the numbers that we're measuring and to, to generate the revenue for the uh, organization. Now, I've also learned that we need to shift from managing those numbers to that coaching the human so that we could generate the results that are needed, both for the organization, but as well as for the salesperson or the person on our team that we're coaching. Now, my guest today is Angela Kristen Taylor. Now, Ange is an integrative productivity coach. Amen. She's a writer and speaker. And Angela serves as a transformational catalyst to business owners, entrepreneurs, and of course, sales professionals. Angela's signature method, productive flow, integrates emotions, energy, time, and focus to help clients create natural productive flow and achieve higher levels of success in business and actually more importantly in life. So please help me welcome Angela to the show. So thanks for being on, my friend. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So this is, this is for me, Ange, it's such an important conversation because I see it over and over, right? I know one of my programs with my clients is I teach them how to coach their teams and what observation looks like, how they should observing, what they should be observing. And then what happens is they go back and we go back to those old habits, right? After the mm -hmm. training, if I'm not coaching them further. And I see that they start saying, 
How many accounts did you open? How many phone calls did you make? And I'm not saying that's not important statistics, Mm -hmm. but we have to observe the behaviors because the behaviors will drive the numbers ultimately, right? So today's conversation is, I think, extremely timely on this topic because you talk about a sales matcher, which Mm -hmm. is different than a sales hunter. So this is kind of your lingo that you use in your Mm -hmm. business and with your clients. So let's start there. What is a sales matcher? And how is it different than that hunter? Yeah. So I think, you know, the first thing that we we need to look at to understand this is that people who are in sales training are taught to look for and recruit the sales hunters as the people who are like out for the kill. Right. And that's why they, everybody understands the, the hunter sales hunter term, because that, that's something that we're, we're taught as sales trainers to look for. And so all of the training and everything is about how to make the most number of calls, how to persuade the most amount of people and how to get that sale and then move on to the next. And the matcher is really the opposite of that. And when you're a sales trainer, you're, you're taught to focus on the top 20% because those are your hunters and that the others are going to kind of cycle in and out. And like, don't worry about those people. They're the low producers. Don't focus on them. Focus on the top 20. Yeah. But the problem is that if you're only training to the top 20% and 80% of your sales force, we're ignoring then we're missing a huge opportunity because a sales matcher has strengths that your sales hunters will never have. And so that's really what gets us into understanding who the sales matcher is, is that it's someone who is more focused on the person than the sale. They really want to create a match and they believe in the product or service that they're selling so much, they believe it's going to change someone's life. They believe it's going to make such a huge, huge positive impact, and they want to be a small part of that. And so for them, the sale is about making that positive impact on someone. So it's not about how many calls I made or, or you know, how many kills that I take down kind of thing. It's, it's really focused on the person and building relationships and connecting and, and follow up and follow through after the sale. So your sales matchers are more likely to build personal relationships. They do take longer to make a sale, but then they build relationships. They'll have that same customer coming back over and over and they generate more referrals. So when you train and motivate to that type, that sales type, now you're, you're motivating 80% of your sales force and you're training and you're motivating them and you're inspiring them. And that's the key word is to keep them inspired because that's how they operate as opposed to the sales hunters. They're just like, give me, give me a phone and a, and a list. I'm good. Like they don't even need your training. <laughs> They've got it. But the 80%, they need to be inspired because they feel a true connection to what they're offering these people. And they want to connect to these people from a heart centered place. This is fascinating. So 40 years ago, <coughs> excuse mm-hmm. me, 40 years ago, when I started and I was selling insurance, And my manager would scream at me every day Mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. I would meet with the client, right? I'd make the appointment. I was very good at making the appointments, I think. So I'll just share a funny aside, uh, Angela. You sure. know, back in the 80s, women typically weren't selling insurance. So in my mm-hmm. my particular sales office, there were 43 men and me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> to give you an idea, it was weird and it was uncomfortable, but right, whatever. This oh, is yeah. what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> so when I would get on the phone, people would make appointments. I think back then, because I had a, a female's voice, it was softer. It wasn't as pushy or, or appeared as pushy sure. as an aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I was really good at getting the appointments, cold calls, right? I mean, I was making mm-hmm. cold calls. Well, fast forward, I would then go in and I would be me. So what, what, what does that mean? I would go and I would talk to the, the uh, client. And I remember one of my first clients and, and there's a point to the story. So bear with mm-hmm. me as I go through. So I sit with this client, blue collar uh, gentleman, his wife and two, two little girls. And he was, had, had a job, right. Where he really could get hurt on the job or die. Sure. Right. Cause it's one of those mm-hmm. dangerous thing, blue collar building bridges mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I sit with him and I said, here, dude, I didn't say dude, but I'm like, here's the deal. <laughs> right. Might've said dude back then. You never know. But I said, here's the deal. Your cash flow is such that you'll make that payment for five or six months but then it's going to lapse. So now you've thrown away five, $600 that you'll never get back. Plus you don't have the insurance. And now you have a little bit more financial distress. We need to make sure you can pay your mortgage, put food on the table, but I also have to get your cash flow in order because then you'll be able to afford the insurance and keep it. So yeah. he, at first he was like, no, no, I need the insurance. I'm like, I, I understand you need the insurance. My fear is that it's just going to end up lapsing. Right. So I put them on a budget. We talked every week, how it worked, what didn't work, et cetera. Well, at about five months, I had him saving money, okay, Mm -hmm. plus understanding his cash flow. And then we sold the insurance. And of course, it never lapsed, right? He kept it. Mm -hmm. And and here's the thing with what you're saying. So I would go back to the office. I would tell my sales manager what I did. And he'd Mm -hmm. scream, you need to stop doing that. It's free advice. What is wrong with you? You're not getting paid. And I'm like, look, you do you. I have to do me. He, I can't sell something that I know. I believe he needed it. I understood the Mm -hmm. importance. I can't sell something that's going to end up lapsing because when you get paid, what do you care? And see, he was a sales hunter and I was the sales matcher. And I said, because it's my income. And I will, I, I, you know, the whole time I was living at home, which was a blessing yeah. for me so mm-hmm. that I had that freedom to be honest, right. And, and do the right thing. But mm-hmm. here's the, here's the point, And you said it in your definition of a hunter versus a matcher, mm-hmm. that particular client sent me all of his friends and family. Mm-hmm. And so that cold calling within two years, I was a kid. I had no, I had no network. I didn't know what I was doing, but Angie, Mm -hmm. in two years, I was living off of referrals because I built such a solid base through integrity and honesty. And I loved my clients and they knew I was there to help protect them selling something. I truly believed in that. I know they needed it, but you have to do something and then make sure it lasts. Otherwise Mm -hmm. we're wasting everybody's time and money. And that's not cool in my world. So I got yelled at a lot. I was told I was an idiot. In front of other people. And, and I have to tell you in my twenties, think about that from a confidence builder. Oh, it yeah. took me a really long time to step into my own power because I was being told I was an idiot and I was stupid and all these other things. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to shift from that way of thinking because it's the long game that we're playing. And the long game is where you're able to scale and make money. So you could get off that treadmill of making those new cold calls because you're, you're not building a good reputation mm-hmm. because you're selling for the most moment and not selling to the person's needs. 
Exactly. And, and this is something that is, it's, it's very much needed because our society has changed and it's continuing to change. We're in a transition period collectively and the, the paradigm of what it means to buy and sell is very different from the, what the way it was back then. Right. And so, I I mean, I, Absolutely. Right. So I com- I started in commission-based sales in 1988. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think back <laughs> a year time period. Don't look old so. enough. I'm I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I got a little gray over here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I started commission-based sales in 1988. And it was exactly that, you know, and it was um being told that there's something wrong with you yeah. and there's, um, there's a lot of, of things that will take away from your confidence and what happens with salespeople who are in that role. And I just want to say like that, that type of behavior in sales training in sales mentoring and sales management that still exists today. Yes. It and, does. and, and it shouldn't but it does. And the thing is, is that we've, we've just learned over time that that's not who we want to be, right? Like it, not just like people like me and you sales matchers, but just collectively as a society, we've realized, oh, we don't want to be that. Like people pay much more attention to, to boosting people's self-confidence, to empowering others versus always tearing them down. But in the sales world, this hasn't shifted as as much as it has everywhere else. That's right. And so this is a, an area that really needs to be addressed because what happens is the people who are sales managers, like you got to understand what made them like that, right? And so what made them like that is, and this is where it really comes into a lot of my work with um, productivity with entrepreneurs and sales professionals, yes. is that a lot of the reasons why we've chosen to be in the profession that we're in is because we've been told throughout our lives by sometimes well-intentioned, loving parents, it doesn't always have to be abusive, although it can come across that way, that we don't know what we're doing. We're not capable of doing what it is that we think we want to do. We're laughed at, we're made fun of. And, and oftentimes it's in the guise of, I'm trying to protect you and keep you safe yeah. and prevent you from thinking you can change the world when you can't. Yeah. And that is the limited perspective of the people that have shown up as our role models. And so we grow up thinking we're we're kind of in these two different mindsets of feeling like, no, I can do this. I can make a positive impact on the world. And at the same time, feeling like, but nobody else believes that I can. Yeah. And so when you go into a role in sales and you feel like, oh, I finally found something I really connect with. I so believe in this. I'm going to change lives. I'm going to make a difference. And then you get out there and then you're faced with this type of sales training that tells you not to do it that way. Yeah. And to not care about the person, to focus on the the goal, which is to sell, sell, sell and to make money for the company. But they they're they're missing the boat on the matchers who can actually make more money, make more of an impact. And what's interesting is that this goes back to that, that movie miracle on 34th street. 
if you remember that way back that when movie. that yep. was made, right? Yep. And you see the the Macy's Santa Claus, yep. right? Yep. Come in and and he's sending Macy's customers to other stores yep. because, well, we don't carry that, but you know, Gimbel's carries it. Or that's right. Um, you know, you can get it for a better price over here. We have this, but the quality's not as good as the one you can get over here. And at first, the sales manager, the, the floor manager was like, he's doing what? And then he gets the customer that comes to him and says, I've never been much of a Macy's customer, but let me tell you, I will be a regular Macy's customer now. And that is the kind of impact that sales matchers will make to your sales force if you allow them to do their thing and show up with that level of integrity and care and concern for these people, because that is what's going to build a much bigger, stronger company for you Absolutely. than, than any of those sales hunters ever will. And, and it's a cultural thing. And I, it's mm-hmm. funny, I, I have a, a new client here in new, and I'm in Jersey, they're in New Hampshire and we're building their culture. And it's not, what do I think? It's what do you think? Mm-hmm. And then I could teach the behavior so that when they're client facing, they're delivering what your expectation is. And then we yeah. can build the consistency from location to location. So every client feels that value. And here's yeah. the other thing too, Ange, I won't take on a client that doesn't build, it doesn't believe in building a culture that is mm-hmm. client focused or the client journey right. is at the core of it, right? How we're delivering. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I've walked away from business and people are like, are you, especially when I started my business, you know, I, we didn't have uh, that much money in the bank. I had t- little kids at home, but mm-hmm. you, you gotta be true to yourself. And it's like, your, your soul is talking to you of mm-hmm. what the right thing is. And, and I had one client about last year, she came through my uh, signature program. It's my nine week online program. And the first day it was like, she was so adversarial with me. And she said to me, I, I suck at sales. I hate sales. And there's no way you're going to change that. But I figured I could always get a refund. And I thought, well, okay, the gauntlet has been dropped and the ball is in my court. And I, so I teased her. I said, I accept the challenge. Well, within three weeks, Ange, and then she shared with me, because of course someone says that there's a lot going on behind oh, yeah. that, um, the, the, those emotions, oh, yeah. right. They were pretty strong emotions and she had bought, and this, this is what blows my mind. She had spent 10 grand on a program and all they did was yell at her. You're not charging enough. You suck at sales. Your product is horrible. It was put down after put down. And if you're not getting a 25% refund request, you're doing it wrong. And so she comes to me and she tells me this and my reaction, I was horrified. And I said, well, first of all, that is not how I roll. So you're going to get a very different feeling from what I teach. And then this is the kicker by week three, Ange, she had made back the, the investment in my program plus another $10,000 on top of that. So th- in yeah. three weeks, and what, what was the big shift? I changed mm-hmm. her mindset. Be- and she was a matcher, but she was being trained by a hunter. And yeah. she, it, her confidence was so depleted. I was offended that this still goes on, you know, in, in, in 20, it was in 2022. It's yeah. offensive. And, and here's the thing. There is so many better ways beyond me, like you, there, there's other people out there that understand that we're playing the long game and we need to come from that very heart centered perspective, because I'm telling you after 40 years, and you've been in the industry probably for about 30, 
Um, the long game works. It freaking works. And you make the money that you need to make, but you serve bigger and we could show up bigger in the world. So we need to stop this madness of the, the hunter perspective. Again, the people listening, they're probably unsubscribing that don't believe in what I'm saying. And I'm okay with that because okay. I'm not for you. I'm not your cup of tea and that's, that's right. okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and that's the thing is that we, we have to understand that with, it's like when you have the sales hunter and they're showing up and they're doing their job, they're going to, they're going to get it done and they're going to get it they done will. quickly. Right. A hundred percent. But what happens is that after the fact, when there are customer service issues, when somebody has a lapse in their policy or something mm-hmm. like this, like the sales hunter is out. They're done. They don't care. They're not part of the deal anymore. They're like, I, I did my job. I made my sale. I made my money. You're somebody else's problem now. Right. right. And, and it's just, it's not to say that they're wrong. No, it's just to say that that is one mentality Yes, and that the matcher has something else. The matcher is someone who follows up with their client after the sale. They've made their money, they're done, but they're like, but I still care about this person. And I want to make sure that everything's going well and that they're getting the results that they, they wanted to, you know, and if they, if they didn't, well, I'm going to make it right. And you're, as a matcher, you're making that part of your job. It doesn't have to be part of your job. You're making that part of your job because what happens is that that is just part of who you are. It's how you operate. And that's what leads to the referrals and the added business and and things like that. And people who say, oh, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I would never go anywhere else. Beautiful compliment. And so- Absolutely. And you don't have those refund requests and you don't have people saying uh, bad things about you online or anything like that. You have people that are just gushing about you and, and referrals are passed, not because you asked for them, which is a sales hunter trait, um, not because you asked for them, but because someone was so happy about what you did, they have to tell other people about it. This is what they want to talk about. They want to do it. You know, it's a huge difference. The ripple effect is exponential and the one and done and moving on. And that's what, that's one of the things I teach is you're Mm -hmm. leaving so much money on the table because I don't know about you, but if you look back three months, six months, even a year, our Mm -hmm. lives change whatever, what different life stages, whatever's going on. Well, if we have changes in our life, aren't our clients and customers having changes in their life? Oh yeah. So by not following up, you're, you're, you're not being a planning partner, number one, with whatever your zone of genius is, but number two, you're not able to serve them down the road and you're leaving it up to them to go out and search for whatever that next solution is, even though you have the answers, they trust you already. So we leave money on the table. We leave those opportunities behind because we're one and done. So Mm -hmm. again, I'm not, there's no criticism or judgment for me. Not how I roll, not how I've ever rolled in 40 years. And you know what? Proof is in the pudding. So I've, you know, I make my money. I've had my career, right? I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm successful, you know, whatever that means to you. I'm successful in my world with my family. Um, You know, I'm not making a bazillion dollars a year, but I'm okay with that because I'm happy where I am because of what I get to do every day. Mm -hmm. So here's the next question. You know, if we could, if the, if the matchers, 
could create their own type of training with, and I want to talk about accountability because I think that's another piece. Everybody's listening and going, oh, this is a little woo. And, you know, yeah, sell it from your heart. You know, there goes Connie with her goofiness and, you know, whatever. Here's the deal. When you were describing the hunter of making the calls and doing the things, I do those things too. What I know their tasks and things that I need to do to be able to get in front of my ideal client, to have those really wonderful conversations, to have them become lifelong uh, clients of mine that we build these wonderful relationships, right? But you still have to have the accountability. You can't make Mm -hmm. one phone call and think you're gonna, but I'm heart-centered. You have to make a hundred phone calls, right? To get in front of the 10 people or whatever it is, whatever the statistics Uh are. So what would happen if, if the sales matchers could make, their training with that accountability piece in there, right? Mm -hmm. What would happen to their division, their organization? Like, what do you see happening once they've, they're committed to that kind of frame of reference and approach? Yeah. I think it's, I think it would be amazing because the thing is, is that it's like, it's like what you're saying. You've got to make the calls. You've got to do the things, right? And so a lot of times the reasons that the matchers kind of fall off the map with traditional sales training is because they, they have a lot of insecurities inside of them. And that that's where that need to serve comes from. But traditional sales training doesn't tap into that. Yeah. It says, oh, you have these insecurities. Well, that's why you're not a fit for our company. So yeah. we're going to ignore you. We're going to make you feel bad about that. And then we're going to focus on our top 20%, right? Mm. But the thing is, is that if you train to the fact that you know who these people are, you know what stops them, you know what stands in their way, and you're empowering them to take action anyway, then you've got something amazing. So let me give you an example. Yeah. Um, when I first started in, in real estate and I was taught to cold call because that's what we did back then. Right. And so I called for sale by owners, expired listings, things like that. And I would call them. And a lot of times when people found out I was a realtor calling them, they would get angry and hang up. And the first thing I would do is call them back and say, I'm so sorry, we must've been disconnected. And they would say, well, no, we weren't disconnected. I hung up on you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. What did I say something wrong? Or, you know, did I offend you in some way? Well, no, you're just in one of a million different realtors calling me all day long, ringing my phone. I just want to buy her. I'm like, you know what? That sounds really frustrating. I can understand what you're, what you're going through, what you're experiencing. How long have you been, you know, trying to sell your house on your own? And then the whole story would come pouring out and they would vent and they would let it all out. And I would sit and I would listen and I would be understanding. And at the end of it, I had an appointment. Beautiful. And sales hunters don't pick up the phone and call that person back. They hit the next number. That's right. <laughs> because That's they're right. like, whatever, these people don't care. Poof, next number. I don't have time for that. But taking that time makes such a difference. But the problem is that most of your sales matchers won't do that either because they they are so put off by the fact this person just yelled yeah. at me. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm withdrawing into my shell right now and I don't know what to do about that. What happens is the focus is primarily on themselves. I feel hurt. I feel down. I feel 
triggered and traumatized by what just happened. And these people yelled at me and hung up on me. But if we turn that focus around to focus on what is that other person going through? Absolutely. That's a natural turn for them. They are so quick to make that turn when you just direct their focus because they want to be there. They don't want to be focused on triggers and traumas. They want to be focused on how do I give to this other person? And so when, when you just tweak it like that, then they're able to turn that very naturally, very easily, and they can very confidently pick up that phone again and, and call that person back and have that deeper level conversation with them and make the positive impact that they want to make. And that not only gets you the sale, it empowers your salesperson to know, wow, all I have to do is look past myself and my own fears That's right. and look to this other person and put my focus on how can I make a positive impact on them? Yes. And then it just shifts everything. And so accountability and motivation, it becomes things like, you know, instead of how many calls did you make, how many people did you make an impact on today? Yeah. It's just languaging. It's just tweaking it just a little bit. Because if, if somebody is in that sales matcher role and they're focused on numbers of dials, there's nothing in that to inspire them. There's nothing in that to motivate them. But if you just tweak the language and say, how many people did you make a positive impact on today? Then all of a sudden they're, they're inspired and motivated. They're like, I got to make more positive impacts. I got to make more calls. That's right. It's that simple. It really and, is. And the other thing too, you, you got it. You got to reach out. You got to network. You got to meet. like, you can't, you can't sit home and think, oh, people are going to be knocking on my door <laughs> because they need me. Right. You have to get out there. You have yeah. to brand yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. All of those things that we learn to do, I think are still good habits. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we are visible. And it's funny when, when I meet with my clients and we talk about culture and all of that, and okay, we're going to do follow-up. What does that look like? Phone calls, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say, let's have a process so that your people, it's got to be tangible. Then mm-hmm. they know what to do. Right. And once mm-hmm. people know what to do, typically 80% are going to do it because it's the rules. This is what's expected mm-hmm. of me. I'm going to do it. It's an accountability measure. But if they don't, you still have that accountability measure. Hey, what's going on? Why aren't you doing mm-hmm. it? The other yeah. thing too, when we have this follow-up process, so now you have the accountability, you have what the process looks like. And the other thing my clients and I talk about, I say there has to be a preparation before the phone call. Go, if it's a business owner, go on their website, look on LinkedIn, so that when you do get in there, your first sentence is something that's connective, not Hey, I'm just another person calling you because I'm making a cold call. That's, mm-hmm. that's my process. I, I don't do cold calling. I try to set up warm calls through mm-hmm. networks and introductions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. So there's, that's yeah. another process, but at the end of the day, the person has to have quality conversations. So it's not, let's throw you know spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. I think yeah. if we can strategize, it takes a little more time up front, mm-hmm. which I get, but the mm-hmm. output is going to be exceptional. So from a productivity standpoint, Absolutely. we're actually working smarter, not harder mm-hmm. and getting these results at the back end instead of just dialing, dialing, dialing and wasting yeah. your time, but also wasting that potential client's time. And when you waste that potential client's time, because they think you're just smooth talker, if you will, right. For lack of a better word, they might've been your ideal client, but you approach them 
from an incorrect way for them to want to buy from you. And this Mm -hmm. goes back to what you were saying, uh, Ange. It's we got to look at where is this client? What is their situation, issue, problem, pain point, whatever you want to call it? What is it right here, right now? And how can I help? But oh, by the way, how can I become a planning partner so that not only am I helping you today, but how can we put places and things Mm -hmm. in place so that we can make your tomorrow even better and kind of think through that, whether it's me or not. But now once I understand, I could bring my vetted network of people I trust to the table. And and what did I just do? I further validated my value to that client, that friendship, that professional friendship, whatever you want to call it. Um, It matters. It's got to be where is the customer and how can I meet them where they are? Not let me vomit what I have on them and let's see what sticks. So again, from a productivity standpoint, again, this is just 40 years of experience, right? This is my experience. Somebody could have been a cold calling person for 40 years Mm -hmm. and have equal amount of success, right? So we're not Mm -hmm. judging that. We're just talking from our frame of reference of why it's, yeah. it's more fun. And here's the other thing I think, and it's more fun and it's easier to do it our way versus yeah. that kind of cold call, especially for the sales matcher. I think um, yeah. it's a softer way to approach the business. Yeah, it is. And just like you said about knowing who your client is, right. And how to approach them. If you know who your salespeople are, and you know how to approach and train them, yes. how to motivate them, Absolutely. then, then y- you have what it takes to build a really strong, balanced sales force. Right. And, and it, you, you've got to do that because if you're just kicking 80% of your sales force to the curb, expecting them to cycle in and out, there's a cost to that. There is. And it's not just your cost in, in, in sales, it's your cost in constantly onboarding and training and recruiting and all of that, just in your hopes to get more sales hunters. And then people are coming on board saying, oh yeah, I'm a sales hunter. I'm a sales hunter. I can do it. I can do it. And they get on board and they turn out to be a matcher. And then they 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 think every time this company is going to be different. This company is not going to yell at me. This company won't be a toxic environment for me. And then what happens is because the sales training is no different everywhere they go, it's the same experience. So they keep cycling, 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 and just barely making their minimums. And that's just a really sad place to be. And it's just knowing your salesperson, training and motivating to that personality type and understanding that there's two different types of salespeople. And that's, that's all there is to it. And when you coach you, your coaching is going to be different for those mm-hmm. um, oh, two yeah. types. Right. And that's my communication Absolutely. style assessment. Mm-hmm. I believe there's really five primary styles, the way we communicate. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about communicating. So if you can identify my sales uh, leaders that are listening, right. If you can identify who's the sales center, who's the sales uh, matchers right there, that will help your coaching and your production on the back end. So that's number one. And then you mm-hmm. use my communication style assessment, kind of overlay that or stack it, if you will, mm-hmm. and identify what style they are, right? Are they a heartfelt advocate? Are they an innovative organizer, whatever? Mm-hmm. And then now I can coach to that piece of the puzzle yeah. so that what I'm teaching they hear, they receive, and they go, Mm -hmm. oh, I can now go out and duplicate or do that. But we have to understand who's in front of us from a training perspective so that when they do get in front of the client, and and here's the other thing too, like my CSA, 
Mm-hmm. You're a sales matcher or a hunter, doesn't matter. You can still use that in your sales conversations mm-hmm. because how are your clients perceiving your messaging, right? So here's mm-hmm. this ripple effect with just two mm-hmm. tools that we're talking about, identifying oh, yeah. the hunters and matchers, and then mm-hmm. identifying what the communication style is. Bam, you've just increased productivity by by just taking those two little pieces of the puzzle. It's so fascinating, the ripple effect that whenever we have these conversations on the show, that it's it's beyond what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's all of these ancillary kind of ripples that come from the core idea or context of our conversation. So I just love this. We're out of time. Um, Listen, people. You need her, right? You need Angie in your life. So go to her website, which is AngelaKristenTaylor.com. I promise I'll put that in the show notes. If you have a question specific, you're a team leader, you have a question for Ange about this difference between the matcher and the um, hunter, her email is ak at AngelaKristenTaylor.com. And you do have a free productivity breakthrough session. Can you tell everybody what that is? Yeah. So basically, you know, my, my approach to productivity is integrative, like you said at the beginning, and it's emotion, energy, time, and focus. And it's understanding what experiences have created blocks Mm. in our ability to actually go after the things that we want to actually take the daily actions Mm -hmm. and be productive, efficient, and organized to actually get there. So it's, it's designed for people who are dealing with stress, chaos, overwhelm, uh, being burnt out, and they feel like they're just spinning their wheels and nothing is really happening. Then, um, the productivity breakthrough session is a really great way to get to the bottom of that. And so I have a big form on it. You fill out the form. It asks you all kinds of questions about your life and your business and your background. And it, if you fill that out fully and completely, then what that does is it gives me the picture that I need to see to get right to the root of what's going on. Nice. And so it's a 30 minute appointment with me, but I can usually get to the that breakthrough moment within the first five minutes nice. if you've done your job on the form. Yeah. So I, I, I see the picture. I can go right into it and tell you exactly what's going on. And people are like, oh my God, that's been right in front of my face my whole life. And I never realized it. And then we spend the rest of that time on the call, giving them a, a, a solution for how to move forward from there. Yeah. And, and you said it, the forest from the trees, I had a conversation with a colleague mm-hmm. yesterday and I don't know, I said something and he said, oh, and then what Brady, he built on it. And I looked at him and I go, oh wow, was I in the weeds on that? I didn't even see the forest. So it's sometimes just having that conversation. And the other thing you said, you know, I even take forms as well. And if people, if they don't give me enough information, then you Mm -hmm. get on these calls, these, you know, discovery or I call them helpful calls, right? Because I want to help them whether they buy from me Mm -hmm. or not is irrelevant. But if you don't give me enough information up front, then I'm wasting time asking you the Mm -hmm. questions. Whereas if you, the intake form is critical. So if you, Mm -hmm. you know, if you just kind of go through and do it quickly and it's, you know, not really relevant information you're sharing, the the discovery call is not going to really be helpful. Mm -hmm. So put the time in it's worth, again, it's see, it's the quality versus the quantity, Mm -hmm. but the quality in and the conversation with you can really be life-changing, right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. I I'm so honored that you're offering that to uh, yeah. my folks. So thank you. Yeah, I love thank it. Thank you, Connie. Yeah. Appreciate I think everybody it. should take advantage of that personally. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, Ange, thanks for being on and and just great conversation. We're just made from the same mold. It, it, we are. Again, no judgment, <laughs> no judgment on other people's processes. We're just kind of in line with philosophically how we approach yeah. sales. So thank you so much yeah. uh, for being on and just a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build and discover together, no matter where you are on your, your sales, your career, whatever it is. I hope Angela and I shared stories or ideas or tips that were just gave you something to percolate on to say, Oh, wait a minute. I am a matcher. I've been doing it. You know, I've been, I've been taking the, the, the road uphill instead of the road downhill. So if you had those aha moments, that thrills me and makes me so excited. Again, I'm going to end on this note. Information's a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, simply information. Once we start applying it, take one little baby step, one little baby step and watch the magic that happens on the back end. Um, Angela, thank you again for, for coming on. And thank you for joining me on Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on web talkradio.net. I truly wish you an inspired week filled with change that you can be in control of. How about that for this week's objective? I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope I see you next week. Have a great one. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.